just imagine. The mightiest heroes of our time. Superman. Batman. Flash. Green Lantern. Wonder Woman. Hot Girl. John Jones, Manhunter from Mars. Have banded together as the Justice League to stamp out the forces of evil wherever and whenever they appear. The Fire and Water Podcast Network proudly presents... JLU Cast. Hello and welcome to the JLU cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water podcast network covering the animated adventures of the Justice League and their eventual evolution into Justice League Unlimited. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin. And I'm Chris Franklin, and we've done it. We've made it through season one of Justice League. We've covered all the episodes in season one, but we thought it would be fun if we did a season one rat party episode. Yay, balloon streamers. Yeah, chips, dip, chains and whips, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. So, <laughs> what do you turn red for? I don't know. Uh, so, we thought we would go over our final thoughts on what worked and what didn't in the series Shakedown Cruise, as Bruce Tim called it on the DVD set. So, basically, this is going to be a loose, kind of a loose episode. I came up with a few categories. We're going to go over them here. We're going to do feedback at the end. It's going to be a shorter episode. We thought we'd just kind of do. Our, our parting thoughts before we say goodbye to season one of Justice League. Uh, so without further delay, let's just get into it. So, okay, I think we should get the most negative thing out of the way. I didn't want this to be uh, like an overly negative list, like positive, negative, positive, negative, positive. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do like least favorite character, least favorite villain, blah, blah, blah. But we do have one least favorite, and then, of course, we're going to get a little negative when we get into some of our normal features like not so superman count and things like that but the most negative thing we got least favorite episode slash story and by that i mean the two-parter mm. the story war world war world yeah uh without a doubt it's war world <laughs> pathetic the whole lot of you not a real warrior in the bunch And you, the Kryptonian, you're the biggest disappointment of all. (coughs) The the nadir of of Justice League. Uh, Uh, The mace kills the planet laser. uh. Yeah, it's, I mean, I know that Michael Bailey in particular has a soft spot for that episode because it's based on his beloved Superman Exile, which is a great comic storyline. And, and for that, I understand. But yeah, the execution, the the use of Superman, the, you know, getting his ass kicked constantly in that mm. episode. I mean, there's he had a few moments. I will give him that. But yeah, and then the resolution where they just left Draga in charge of the planet. It's like whoa, yeah. It uh, and I mean, it, on the DVD set, the first season Justice League set. There's a a uh, little featurette called Inside the Justice League, and you've got uh, a host talking to Bruce Tim and Dan Reba and James Tucker and Rich Fogle, and they're all talking about, you know, favorite and least mm-hmm. favorite in War World. It's like, yeah, Tim's like, Bruce Tim's like, yeah, everybody hated War World. Yeah. <laughs> so no surprise, least favorite episode is War World. <laughs> Were there any that people just didn't respond oh, to? everybody they hated War World. Problem with War World all comes down to the end of it. Absolutely. At one time, we had Superman kicking everybody's butt. You came in and said, we've seen Superman kick people's butt before. Let's uh, let's do something different. Probably shouldn't have had Draga in the story if we really... Well, you know, the, here's the other thing. I mean, that, that brings up a good point, too. Season one, we got called on the carpet for making Superman a wimp. Yeah. And guilty. Guilty as charged. Sure, yeah. We didn't know we were doing it. We were actually kind of using it as a kind of a dramatic crutch early on. It's like, oh, well, hey, if Superman can get taken down really, you know, right away, well, then now this is a really bad threat, and now the rest of everybody else is all in trouble. We didn't realize it had become, like, a recurring gag until we started getting the internet comments and everybody's saying, well, wait a minute, why is Superman such a wimp now? And it's like, oh, you know what? There's a pattern. Okay, so what was your favorite episode slash story? I kept waffling, I'll be honest. I kept waffling between either The Savage Time or Legends. I yeah. couldn't decide. I kept waffling between what would have my top spot. Okay. So, you know, because with Savage Time, you've got Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor, and, you know, you got all of the nods to the old, you know, comics and things like that, but then you've got that again in Legends as well. So, you know, 
I, I, uh. I had a hard time with it too. I think, I think ultimately I went I, Savage. I almost went with Savage Time because we just covered it, mm-hmm. and it was fresh in my mind more, and it's more fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, if World War Two can be fun, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's fun. Um, Legends has that. You know, that gut punch of an ending. Right. You know, and that Twilight Zone-esque twist. And, uh, but ultimately, it's, it because it is, because it dared to do that, mm-hmm. not only was it a wonderful homage to the JLA-JSA team-ups, but it was also, they dared to, that was Justice League stepping outside of its comfort zone and doing something bold and daring. So I went with Legends, ultimately. Okay. But it was hard. I mean, it, Savage Time is like one, like, eighth of an inch notch below it. Are you okay? It's stupid, really. Why should I feel like this? I mean, they weren't even real. They gave their lives for us. That's real enough for me. I mean, I, mean, it's, I it's, just, it's... I kept going... And, but I honestly think what it is is because Wonder Woman was featured so prominently and because Wonder Woman right. had that end ep- end credit scene right. with Steve Trevor. And I think that's what put it above for me. Right. Right. Please keep your visit short. He tires easily. Thank you. Angel. So. So, well, while we're in this, since we went through least and worst, do you have, uh, did you rank the episodes? I did. I did. Uh, okay, I did too. So you want to give us your, your rankings from least favorite to best? Okay. So, of course, in the bottom spot, we've got World War World. I cannot say that. War World, yeah. Oh, it's very hard. It's a tongue twister. But um, my next one would be Metamorphosis, just because of all the creepy overtones in it. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be my next one. Mm-hmm. The next one would be, honestly, Secret Origins. Oh, wow. And okay. it's because of the glaring truck-sized plot hole. Okay, because of the guy. The whole being out in the sun and every. I mean, I'm like... What? No! And I, that one fact, I'm sorry, it just overshadowed. <laughs> Logic glass like, will not let you, permit you to allow that to go. Yeah. I, I can't. I mean, that, that part of it, I mean, it just that's what put it in that bottom tier, that bottom tier. Okay. Um, Fury would be my next one. Okay. On nine. Just because it's just one of those things, there's too many, it's too, it's too easy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's too yeah. You know, right, right. you don't have, because Justice League is such a smart show, they went for, to me, this is a caricature of feminism. Oh, okay. And I was just like, it was just too easy, you know, gotcha. if that makes sense. Because yeah. I'm used to them having depth of character, and she did not have that. Yeah, yeah. So. Gotcha. Um, the next one would be In Blackest Night, where Green Lantern's framed for destroying a planet. Okay. And, you know, it's just one of those cases that, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the mystery wasn't there. I mean, it, it's it's good, and you're you're starting to come yeah, up. It's eight right. on eight, but, yeah. you know, that's still. Right. Um, the next one would be The Brave and the Bold with Flash and Green Lantern to stop gr- team up to stop Gorilla Grodd. And I like Gorilla Grodd, you know. So You and the monkey, the simian characters on this show, Ultra Humanine Gorilla Grodd. Oh. I'm sorry, it's funny, you know. <laughs> and there's funny parts, you know, in that that I appreciate. Yeah, so. yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, next one would be The Enemy Below, The League Helps Aquaman. And I think part of that, honestly, I mean, you've got this great, you know, it's, it's you know, like I said, you're on six, you're coming up. Um, it is just one of those that's that's really good, and I just love the fact about how he lost his hand in that. I right. love how they added that to the mythos. So, right, right. To me, that's my headcanon. Right. Okay. Um, next one would be five for my five would be um, Injustice for All with Lex Luthor when he assembles the Injustice Gang. You know, I, mm-hmm. I really like that and how the different um, villains interact with each other. 
Okay. Um, for four would be Paradise Lost. Felix Faust turns the Amazons to stone in his attempt to free Hades from his prison. And the reason it wasn't higher up on my list, honestly, is because, yeah, I'm queen and I make all the rules around here, but I'm just going to follow this arbitrary rule, you know, and oust my daughter. You know, she's mm. the queen. Change the rule. Right. You right. know. Right. <laughs> she saved your rear end and you're still going to toss her out. Right. You know. Yeah, I knew you had a big problem with that when we talked about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Three, A Night of Shadows. The demon Etrigan enlists the League's help in stopping Morgan Le Fay from stealing the Philosopher's Phone. Excuse me. Philosopher's Phone. Philosopher's Phone. phone. <laughs> it's been a day. Is it, a, it's been, is it an iPhone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, two would be Legends. Okay. And then, of course, one would be The Savage Child. Okay. Okay. Our, our lists aren't that different. Uh, of course, number 12, I had War World. Uh, yeah, that's the pits. 11, I had Metamorphosis. Same same reason because it just... And, and after the fact, it hit me that they really should have had more of a fun episode with mm-hmm. Metamorpho than they did. The, the listeners kind of brought that to my attention. Uh, 10, I had Fury. Uh, basically, yeah, kind of for the same reasons you did. And... And honestly, um, we talked about that uh, Julie Bowen's performance was just kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Of you know, usually they get great performance. And I mean, not that she's a bad actress, but she just didn't rise to the occasion as a character. And it might have been because of the material. Uh, number nine, I had Secret Origins, just because I mean, it was cool seeing everybody together, and it's not a bad story, but it just so we just flip flop. Yeah, it, it it just felt a little a little clunky. You know, mm-hmm. um, but again, it was your first your maiden voyage, right? You know? Right, yeah. You, the pilot is rarely as good as the bulk of the, the, the season, you know. Uh, number eight, I had the Brave and the Bold, uh, because that was, you know, that like you said, that was fun. The, the buddy cop, yeah, uh, with Flash and Green Lantern and Gorilla Grodd is always fun. The, and I like Powers Booth, you know, as the, the much more uh, sophisticated. I mean, Zod on the, I mean, Zod, <laughs> wrong show, Chris. Uh, Grodd on. <laughs> Grod, Grod on the uh, Super Friends was still intelligent, but he had that <laughs> Superman, you know, yeah. I was like, I'll see you in the future, you know, that, that you know, slurpee, and Grod's very eloquent the way he speaks. I mean, he's kind of rough around the edges because his power is boost, mm-hmm. but he's still, you know, he still enunciates just like a human, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, and I, I kind of like that more subtle, subtle take on him. Um, number seven I had in Blackest Night. Again, another flip-flop. Another flip-flop. The, yeah. the, what put that over was the whole end scene where uh, John says the oath like a boss yeah. and sucks the energy back out of the Manhunters and back into the power battery. That put that one over for me. Uh, number six I put in Justice for All. I mean, that one that one could be higher up because, I mean, you got Clancy Brown and Mark Hamill back as Luthor and the Joker. Mm-hmm. You've got all the supervillains. It would be up a little bit higher if it wasn't we had some trouble with that one because of the way, you know, Batman basically went out on his own and got his got himself captured. And you thought, okay, well, this is where Batman's going to learn about teamwork. Right. No, the whole point was, now Batman had it figured out the whole time. He meant to get captured and stuff. And it slid too far into that whole Bat-God thing that's mm-hmm. would become a problem with the character. Yeah. And, I mean, unfortunately, Justice League helped add fuel to that fire because... The all the guys working, and I mean, I love Batman. Obviously, he's my favorite DC character, my favorite comic book character. But um, you know, where they they Batman's the the home team hero. You mm-hmm. know, he's the original guy, and sometimes that sometimes they gave Batman a little too much uh, too much power and too much. Uh, you know, he got himself out of too many jams without the other leaguers. So that kind of brought that one down a little bit. Uh, number five, I went with A Night of Shadows. I mean, I think now you're right. When you get past like 10 or so, you're really in that good mix of like right. they could, they, these could easily swap in and out. I really liked their portrayal of Etrigan. I thought it was, you know, uh, it was kind of surprising to see how far Jean, you know, would start to go, uh, which which I liked. I mean, that was, that was kind of daring too as well. Uh, the Enemy Below, uh, you know, there's some parts of that that I don't like. The whole, we'll get into it, but what they do with Superman in that episode in one particular scene. But, I mean, we got a soft spot for it because of the network. Right. Uh, being Aquaman's introduction and Rob being our guest on that episode. 
But uh, honestly, it's it all comes down to that the origin of that hook hand. Yeah, that I mean is. It, that. I mean that just you know that's that's another case of just like what they did for Mister Freeze. Exactly. The animated guys take you know plus a character like crazy mm-hmm. by giving them a better origin. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, and don't, normally you don't want other media screwing around with a character that much, but when those guys do it, they, they do it really well. Uh, number three, I had Paradise Lost simply because that one surprised me. When we were reviewing these episodes, that one really jumped out at me. It's like, wow, I had did not remember this set of episodes being this good. Mm-hmm. I really dug that, despite the goofy little moment where Flash, they use a scene from the yeah. Superman episode. Oh, yeah, episode, that's right, that's that one, yeah. Speed Demons, and suddenly Flash is running in front of a bank of computers in ancient an ancient Grecian temple that hasn't been opened in thousands yeah. of years, but... Uh, you know, other than that little blip, it's a really in the you know the fact that they had all these you know uh, animated uh, reanimated corpses, skeletons, warriors, and Felix Faust turns into a skeleton, then dust at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really uh, it's a really strong you know episode, and it moves like crazy. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that one. Uh, number two, you know, like I said, it's the Savage Time. Barely, it's barely number two. I mean, if I could. If I didn't want to chicken out, I just t- had them tie. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, the Savage Time is so much fun. I mean, they, the fact that they work Blackhawk, the Blackhawks, and the Sergeant Rock and Easy Company in there, and they get all the little Marvel cameos with Sergeant Rock and mm-hmm. I think Sergeant Fury and and uh, you know Superman turns into the Human Torch for a second. I mean, and all all the other DC. Um, characters uh, like the unknown soldier and maybe uh jeb stewart from the haunted tank that show up uh just a whole lot of fun and then of course legends like we said before it just it's it it's taken the series to that next level that we're going to get in season two mm-hmm. with episodes like uh the justice lords two-parter and things right. like that so yeah so, so were, very similar list i mean you know yeah very very similar very similar list so so we got that part out of the way uh, as far as our rankings go and our favorite and least favorite episodes. So favorite vocal performance other than Kevin Conroy because, I mean, it's hard to not just say, oh, Kevin Conroy, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, he is like up here. He's like the Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> met, we met him last we met him in year person. and yeah. super nice fella, great with, you know, great with our whole family and you know, yeah. Right, right, yeah. So other other than Kevin Conroy, who did you pick? Maria Canals, Hot Girl. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just her performance and especially how she delivers the double entendres. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, ah, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I, that's a good choice. I mean, I would, I really like her performance, too. And I think part of it helps, too, is because when the kids were younger... She was on Wizards of Waverly Place yes. as the mom. Yes. And, I mean, this was after Justice League, or maybe it came on right as Justice League was ending. Maybe. Yeah, they were on at the same time Yeah, for, for a while. while. Yeah. yeah. And briefly. Briefly, yeah. And, uh, but I get an appreciation for, I, I mean, you know, I can I could actually see her in a hot girl costume. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and saying those lines because she kind of, the way she would say them and stuff, it would be neat to, you know, see her. Delivering, yeah. Deliver it, so I think that helps. Uh, I Speaking of somebody that we saw in live action while this was on, I picked Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash because he always, his timing, I mean, a lot of this is probably, you know, also due to Andrea Romano being the voice director, of course, but his timing's always great. I mean, he delivers, The Flash is the comedy relief now, as of this point in the series. He's a comedy relief. Later on, he'll assume a different role right and in, in uh, you know in the on the team and in the show uh but it, you know it, it and it was so you know watching this in parallel to smallville mm-hmm. where he was you know you could see okay you know he's he's trying to go against his nature go against his upbringing and and try to be a decent person and everything just keeps going wrong. Mm-hmm. The friend that he's found in Clark just keeps letting him down because Clark's hiding everything from him and you just see him slowly descend into this. And that performance versus this, you know, it just shows what a great range the guy's got. Yeah. And I, you know, I, 
I, I just I've always dug him as the Flash, and I, anytime I read a comic book that's Wally West, I hear his voice in my head. There you go. So yeah. Uh, so favorite favorite guest character that that being a you know a a guest star uh, character that appears on the series like from the comics or something. You didn't have one on that no. one. No, I, I mean on the next two, I was just kind of like. Ah, okay. Well, I went with, uh, this is going to sound like I'm trying to butter up Rob, but I honestly had a hard time picking between Aquaman and the Blackhawks because I felt like, you know, Aquaman, you know, I thought it was cool that they got the Aquaman pretty early. And, uh, you know, because they like, okay, we didn't pick Aquaman as our seventh, but we're going to use Aquaman pretty early on. So, right. you know, and also, you know, like I said, Aquaman started appearing on merchandise pretty quickly too. And unfortunately, sometimes in place of Hot Girl and Wonder Woman. I know. You know, so, but, so, I mean, and, and you know, I'm not a huge fan of the hook-handed Aquaman, but this is the best version of hook-handed Aquaman, in, in our opinion. And and then the Blackhawks, I mean, they just used them so effectively. They were just, they they just, they, I mean, they, they came in saying, the Blackhawks are cool, and they showed how cool they were. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it was cool that they, you know, the international team of heroes and stuff, so... I, I really, uh, you know, I had a hard time picking, so I, I did waffle on that one and just and pick both. And yeah, maybe I am trying to butter up Rob a little bit. I don't know. Uh, ah. <laughs> trying to get raised. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's was, one of the godfathers of a network. Yeah. My God, on your camera field. What's taking so long? I must return to Atlantis. Sit tight, your highness. We'll tell you when it's safe to go. <laughs> You presume too much. So, our favorite guest star actor, you said you didn't have one on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm probably going to go with uh, a tie between Robert Picardo as Black Hawk and Fred Dreyer as, uh, as Sergeant Rock. Okay. Because I think, um, I think they both, you know, fit those roles vocally perfectly. And with Dwyer, you got the whole... Uh, you know, the whole aspect that he could actually play Sergeant Rock and pull it off. I mean, right. back then, you know, I mean, he could have easily play Sergeant Rock. But I think they both did a great job with what they had. I mean, you know, it's it's Andrea Romano, you know, minus a few minor hiccups, like we said, Julie Bowen a little bit, being a little stiff as, as uh, in whatever her name was in Fury, Arizia or whatever her name was. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody, all the vocal performances are great, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, but so that, I mean, those two just jumped out at me as, as particularly good. Um, and that's not counting, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't want to pick Mark Hamill or, um, Clancy Brown because they, they're, to me, they're not, I mean, they, they are guest stars in a way, but they, they previously played those characters so much. Right. And, and, and both of them will return, especially Clancy Brown, will be very important to the series mm-hmm. as Lex. So I didn't really want to pick them as a guest star. So, you know, you automatically pick those two guys if you picked anybody. Speaking of which, favorite villain. Did you have a favorite villain? Savage. Ah, Vandal Savage. Savage. He's playing the long game. Yeah. <laughs> the really long game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, to me, that that is the mark... Of a true villain. When you are looking at great literature, when you're looking at a great, great story, a great villain is one who is willing to see things through, to think things through, Mm -hmm. to see how all of these are all interconnected and how it's going to work out. Not for the quick, hey, bang, you're dead, you know. Right. They don't make... To them, it is not an easy thing to do i mean yes it's easy for them to be evil but what i'm saying is they don't it's not minimal effort they put in maximum effort into their plans right well one thing i really like about this show portrayal of vandal savage and we'll see it in another future episode is that he they really they really show how being immortal has affected him. Mm-hmm. You know, he has become incredibly patient because he knows he's not going anywhere. He's not going to run out of time. Right. But he has the time, you know, which is kind of interesting because you have him versus Lex in Injustice for All who was running against time because he was dying. Right. And that's what he was so frustrated 
And I mean, he let made those all those faces in those episodes yeah. when the villains, when the 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 you know the Justice Gang just kept irritating him and annoying right. him. And it's 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 a nice to compare the two because you know it, there's there's you know at one point famously, um, Marv Wolfman in the '80s wanted to move Lex into the untouchable businessman type character, and his pitch for that was passed over for Lex getting his power suit and all that, uh, you know, toward like 1983, 84, mm. around the time they did the superpowers line and everything. Of course, made for a much better action figure. Right, right. Um, and uh, uh, so he used Vandal Savage in that role in his Superman comics. And so it's kind of interesting. But but yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, I, I like that. He was, it was him, Vandal, I had a tie between him and Felix Faust. And uh, that was Robert England, Freddy Krueger as Felix Faust, and I liked, I liked it because I liked his his portrayal. They 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 hinted that he was into some really kind of dark and freaky things, mm-hmm. and you got that from him. And I think it helped because it was Robert England, and because he played Freddy Krueger, that there was like, okay, this guy is like seriously sick, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like into some dark, arcane stuff. So. I, I think I'm going to lean more to Vandal Savage, but Felix Faust is a runner-up. Okay. And I didn't, and that's outside of Lex and Joker, for for the same reason, as stated before. So, favorite league combo? I think my favorite pairing, as far as just a favorite incidence, is when Hot Girl and Superman in Savage Time, when they have the flying fight against the airplanes and all that stuff because you've got the two flyers coming together and they're like, hey, we can unleash. We got this, you know, and it's just mm. being able to play to their strengths and those are the two on the team that can do that. Mm. And, you know, you, you you have Superman who is always very reserved, very, you know, pulled back, but when he lets go and he's like, hey, I can, you know, yeah. I can do whatever, that's when him and Hot Girl really connected because mm. she's one, she's balls to the wall all the time. And right. finally, Superman, the heavy hitter, says, Hey, okay, let's yeah. do this. No holding back. You yeah. See. yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Okay. This time, all bets are off. Yeah. I. I interpreted it a little bit different and just said, like, overall, all the episodes. I mean, that's fine. Well, I mean, well, I did that. It was one of those cases that, you know, I was thinking of one specific incident, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whereas my other pick would be, honestly, Green Lantern and Flash mm. throughout, throughout the thing. And I wouldn't say, I don't say Green Lantern and Hot Girl yet because you don't get that relationship till later, like around episode 10 or 11. I mean, mm. you know, 9, 10. Yeah. You start seeing... Yeah, legends in particular. Yeah, you see it. I mean, they're bickering like an old married couple, like we said in uh, War World. Right. But they, you know, when she like, you know, leans in on his shoulder when he's all distraught at the end of Legends because his heroes have died. Right. But you see the start of that. But you have the relationship between Flash and Green Lantern. You've got this. You know, it's kind of like when you bring a new puppy home, and (laughs) you know the old dog is like, "Oh, I got to break this." kid in let him know how things run around here but they really like each other you know so yeah. or it's like you know it's the whole you know it's it's the whole buddy cop yeah. 48 hours type thing you know uh the veteran with the rookie you know the the old gruff guy with the smart ass yeah. you know and I, I mean that is a good combo would you hurry up we're supposed to be conducting an investigation can i help it if i have a hyper accelerated metabolism besides it's just a little snack now what? There's a gorilla on the loose. I'm on it. Wait, I'll go with you. Not without paying for that. It's funny how Green Lantern, and, and I mean, it's, you know, Green Lantern is able, later on we'll even get some in the series, you'll get some of that with him and Batman. Like, they, they, they go on a particular adventure together that kind of, you know, like, they work. Green Lantern just works well. The, the character John Stewart works well with the the others, mm-hmm. so works often. I did pick Green Lantern and Hawk Girl because uh, you know not just because of what we know is going to come, but because they really. I mean, I thought it was neat that you know the you know they're both more the military minded mm-hmm. characters. 
Um, so, you know, they may, you know, their efficiency and, and uh, you know, it's kind of utmost on their mind more so than the other guys. They're not, they're not afraid of stepping on some toes, you know. I mean, hot girls, you know, usually the first one to start taking a swing at somebody. And even Green Lantern will mouth off to Aquaman, although he got backhanded for it. Oh, yeah, he had a haymaker laid on him. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, that's just so, I mean, it, you know, I, I think, you know, pairing those two up, and apparently, according to the DVD set, they didn't elaborate on it because the way those things are cut so fast, I mean, there's probably, like, two hours worth of conversation on the cutting room floor somewhere. Oh, yeah. But they said that that was suggested by Paul Levitz, who was the publisher of DC at the time. Hmm. The hot girl Green Lantern connection. Right. Which is totally out of left field, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, you know, of course, hot girl and Hawkman were forever the couple, you know. Right. Uh, so, and, and, you know, John Stewart Green Lantern had been, you know, he'd been married to Kat Matui in the comic mm-hmm. books, but... You know, so it it was kind of out of nowhere, but it, it just worked for whatever reason, so. Ow, get off my wing. Sorry. Why do we have to ride in this rust bucket? What's wrong with your ring? Lady, the galaxy's a big place. I need my Nava computer to find War World. He's got a point. Great. Take his side. I'm not taking his side. I'm just saying... I'm wrong again. Uh, do you two want a little privacy? What exactly is your problem anyway? Your attitude, girl. Is everyone on Thanagar as thick-headed as you? Thick-headed? Why, you self-righteous, green-eyed... My attitude is just fine, except when you're involved. And another thing, just because you've got that fancy ring doesn't make you a real... (coughs) Rotating chairperson. Okay, so now we're going to get in to the year-end season finale version of our usual feature. So Mm -hmm. we usually have rotating chairperson. Who is your? Who is the leaguer that stood out to you as the permanent chairperson of the whole season? I'm gonna let you answer that one first. Okay, I would say Green Lantern. I think Green Lantern has he emerged as the hero of the season. Okay, because I think. You know, there's so, so many of the episodes like hinge on what he does, and you know he like he's kind of the point of view character in a lot of them. You know, Legends, Savage Time, The Blackest Night, uh, and to a lesser extent, uh, the uh, uh, the Brave and the Bold, and and so and and I think too because. You know, they were, I mean, there were several Green Lanterns, you know, uh, in the comics. At the time, Kyle Rayner was the only Green Lantern still, I think. And, uh, you know, they could have went, they, they introduced Kyle Rayner on Superman. They could have easily went with him. Um, they could have brought in Hal Jordan, you know, but they went with Jon Stewart. Uh, you know, of course, it added diversity to the show, which it needed. And uh, I think partially, too, because because of us doing this, I've always liked Jon Stewart, and after Justice League, you know, I you know I liked him more, but doing it like we've been doing and examining each episode, I've really come to like him. He's like right up there with Alan Scott as my favorite Green Lantern. He's totally bypassed Hal Jordan, so I think that's perfect too. And I think they really put a lot of effort into building up his character uh, in Phil Lamar's performance, uh, especially when you know that he's also the guy doing the squeaky static shock voice and mm-hmm. you know and, and he's this little guy who's got this big deep voice when he's talking like john stewart you know uh it, it's it's uh I, i'm just really impressed with how they they portrayed the character in brightest day in blackest night no evil shall escape my sight Who worship evil's might? Beware my power, Green Lantern's life! I don't know. I kind of took it as, you know, when you look at how companies are run, the owner of the company is Batman. Okay. But your daily operations, your plant manager, is Green Lantern. Mm, okay. So I kind of, you know, right. kind of balled that together. So, you know. Okay, yeah. And somewhere Superman's just lost. In, in this season, Superman's just there. Now, Superman is the diplomat. 
We did note that. I mean, mm-hmm. Superman steps forward, which is weird because, you know, in the post-crisis era, Wonder Woman's literally an ambassador. Right. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and I mean, you could look at her that way in previous iterations as well. But she definitely is, you know, uh, from Themyscira in the George Perez era of the comics. Mm-hmm. But Superman is more of the diplomat. I mean, you even get the scene in the Secret Origins that looks straight like it's straight out of the Quest for Peace. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Superman Four. So I mean, you know, I, I will give Superman that he is like he's like the public relations guy. Yeah. Which you know is kind of weird. I mean, it's I mean they they kind of went into that because where they left Superman at the end of his show with Legacy, where Darkseid's brain control compromised his image, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get a lot of fallout from that in this show. Right. We're gonna find out some allies of Superman didn't just get over that. Yeah. They put some plans into motion, and that's going to be a huge part of, uh, especially uh, Justice League Unlimited. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, you know, but yeah, it's kind of where's Superman? That's another thing. Where's Superman and all that? You know, right. he, he should be the guy up front. And, you know, it, things are going to change in season two, we know. So, Justice League Communicator. Okay, Justice League Communicator, your favorite line, if I know it's hard to remember all the lines, but if you had a particular line from season one that jumped out at you. Honestly, I, I tried to remember a particular line, but it was all the double entendres by Hawk Girl. Yeah. Don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, you know, yeah. different one, you know. I, that was my favorite one. Okay. I, I think, you know, when Wonder Woman was like, why do you, why do you need men? And everybody, you know, basically, you know, it's like, what's so, you know, what's so important about men? I was like, don't knock it till you try it, sister. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> And the way she said it, you know. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, you know exactly what she's talking about. Of course you know exactly what she's talking about. I knew and, what she was talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's so, it's, there were so, I mean, it, that one was really obvious, but it, she says it in such a way that it's like, it's just, it's great. It fits the character, the delivery's great, and it works with the whole, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, is this kind of, at this point, very naive and clueless right. in some regards. And, I mean, that kind of ties into the uh, her development in uh, The Savage Time where she meets Steve and right. he kisses her and she's got this look on her face and then she gets into it, you know. Yeah. And so it kind of, you know, she tried it and she liked it. So <laughs> maybe not it, but she's, she got an appetizer anyway. How's that? <laughs> personally like the entree. <laughs> it's dessert uh, <laughs> They seem to be on top of things. Impressive. Almost reminds me of home. Yes, but who wants to live in a world without men? They can't possibly be that essential to your life. Don't knock it till you've tried it, princess. Comic Connections. Okay. Comic Connection, our nerd moment slash callback. I mean, our Comic Connection is usually specific to that episode, but what was your favorite, like, nerdy comic moment in the, the whole thing? When they went and sat, the, the Justice Guild, when they went in, to, in there and they were... They the were, roll call? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I'd say that'd be my favorite. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that one is just so... I mean, they're, they're there at the table. I mean, it looks like... Kind of like the cover of All Star Comics number three, the first JSA. And I'll be honest, when Flash is like, "Did you believe that roll call bit?" and then he was making fun of it, I'm like, "You better just shut up, boy! I'll just smack you down." That's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Flash is very. I mean, that's the thing here. And it, early on, he's portrayed. You know, he's he really does mature through the show because right now he's like too cool for school type. But later on, we'll see that he kind of is into the more, you know, you know, uh, in later episodes, the the adulation and the the kind of cornier side of being a, a the public relations side of yeah. being a superhero in his own town, he'll embrace it, you know. So it's it, you know, but yeah, that that was definitely the Jessica. I mean, of course, the Savage Time was chock full. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. which I pointed out ad nauseum to you. To your and Rob's chagrin, but you know, it, not it, to it, our chagrin. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Allow us to introduce ourselves. Justice Guild, roll call. Catman. Black Siren. Green Guardsman. Tom Turbine. The Streak. Uh, yeah. I'm Green Lantern. That's Flash, Hawk Girl, and John Jones. 
And this is our official Justice Guild Junior Justice Guildsman, Ray Thompson. When I grow up, I'm going to be a crime fighter. So long as you remember to eat right and stay in school. <laughs> right. Not so Superman count. Okay, speaking of uh, nauseating, we had the not so Superman count all season long, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, this was season overall was not a good showing for Superman. Parts two and three of Savage Time started to make up for it. Um, he had a few moments here and there, but overall, yeah. And Bruce Tim, well, you know, on that same Inside the Justice League feature, he copped to, yep, we made Superman a wimp. We didn't realize we were doing it, but we did. We were just trying to show how dangerous the threat was by taking Superman out, and we didn't realize it was making him look like a wimp. Mm -hmm. So so what was the most notorious not-so-Superman moment for you? I honestly couldn't think of, I mean, because it was so copious. <laughs> I could not pick out a single one because I'm like, there were so, I really thought, okay, is there one that's worse than the others? And I'm like, no, they all suck. Yeah, <laughs> you know all the different moments that they took Superman off of the playing field, and I realized why they did it. I get yeah. that, but at the same time, there wasn't one that stood out more than another. I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, as 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 great as the Savage Time was, I mean, Superman gets hit with a laser blast right from a rifle. I mean, this is a laser blast that a guy can carry in a rifle form. A human shoots Superman, and he goes and starts to fall over. Right. You know, and it's like that's pretty bad, but. I think the absolute worst one was the manhole, the electrified manhole cover that Deadshot left as a trap in the enemy below. Oh, okay. I mean, because Superman, like, goes to, you know, lift it and go down after him, and he literally, ah, and then falls over. I mean, he literally passes out. Mm. From I mean, that's like, you know, I, I, I don't know. that That's like you, you know, you plugging in a, that's like, if, if I plugged in a, a light that had a frayed cord and it slightly shocked me, that's what it... You know, if at the most, that's what it should have done to Superman. Right, or like when you when you hold on to like I don't know if you used a refrigerator in a sink in a sink at the same time, and that you know when you complete the circuit. I mean, I used to do that for fun. That explains a lot. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you told me that before. I was just like, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that, I think that one was the absolute worst because not only did it like that shouldn't have hurt Superman, he looked like an idiot in front of his teammates and just fell over. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh my God, guys, do you have absolutely no respect for poor Superman? He just absolutely gets no respect nowadays. It's just so bad. Uh, it's, I mean, it, 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 it seems like it might be starting to curve around, but it's like, oh, for so long, somebody just, Superman's been... Ever since Frank Miller made him the, the you know the government stooge in the Dark Knight, right? He, Superman's been yeah, it's not been good for Superman. So, hot girl magic mace meter. Uh, okay, most flagrant use of a magic mace. So the magic mace meter when it when it we broke the meter when it went to it went to eleven like Spinal Tap when she killed the the planet laser. Right. I mean, this oh, is... Oh, my goodness. This is akin to Ray taking her lightsaber and stopping the freaking the freaking laser beam on Starkiller Base with it. Yeah. And just not only deflecting the beam, but destroying the cannon. Mm-hmm. I mean... Definitely. I mean, that's hands down, no question about it. I mean, short of... I don't even think Mjolnir could do that. No. You know, I mean, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, that one, hands down, was it. Yeah. Electricity is evil. Uh, the Electricity is Evil Award. What was your favorite electrical moment? Probably the the whole thing, the most notorious, not so Superman moment, the electrified manhole cover. Yeah, that's true. Not necessarily favorite, but just like wow, you know, yeah, yeah. That's it proves that electricity is evil. That's for sure. I I would say either that one or in the same set of episodes, the enemy below. When Aquaman gets shocked by Orm from behind, and there's that close-up of him, it's like right in the camera. And I mean, the animation style even seems to change. He looks like he's like listening to death metal or something. His hair's all oh, sticking yeah. out. And he's like, ah! you know, I mean, it looks like something out of a like a late '80s, uh, you know, hairband video yeah. or something. So I mean, I, 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 that's the one that jumped at me because I remember I got a screen grab of that and uh, put it up on the site. So yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I think guess that'll do it for our discussion on the wrap-up of season one. I mean, 
you know, overall, you know, I, I think, you know, I enjoyed, I mean, I definitely enjoyed going over season one. I mean, despite the blips, despite the, uh, the few episodes that were a little, uh, you know, or the moments that, that took us out of it or why? we're like, that's not, that's, why are they doing this to this character? I mean, you know, I think, I think because, you know, we got to remember that Batman the Animated Series, well, it actually did hit the ground running in a lot of ways, but, um, cause he had on leather wings. The first episodes we, well, no, actually the first episode they ever aired was the Cat in the Claw Part 1, which was on a Saturday. Right. That's not that great of an episode. True. Uh, then the next the next night on Sunday, they had On Leather Wings, which was the pilot. Fantastic episode. And then the next day on Monday, they showed Heart of Ice, which a lot of people count as the greatest episode of right. Batman. And uh, so, but then there was a lot of other episodes that were developed while... People like they changed on people on staff changed, and he had like that Farmer Brown episode. Now that's toward the end. Still, (laughs) ew. That was that way on purpose. (laughs) Critters, critters. but no. But as people, as Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski and those guys early on uh, were fighting against people that were brought in by Warner Brothers who didn't exactly get on board with their vision of the show. You know, you got episodes like I got, I've got Batman in my basement and things yeah. like that that everybody points to. It's like this is what the show could have been if you know Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, you know, hadn't rallied around Tim and Bradomsky and and they basically you know put their foot down. put their foot down and kept in in you know and and pushed these other people off. So you got you know so Justice League actually you know not as shaky maybe as you think. We all think Batman the animated series was perfect from the get go, but it really wasn't. You yeah. Know? So Justice League wasn't either, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it's we know where, what it evolves into. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know season two. I mean, I can only think of one episode that I'm kind of like, eh, on season two, one two parter, and the rest are all great as I remember them. I haven't right. watched them in a while. We'll find out. And then Justice League Unlimited is just freaking amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, as as all as you know, things go. I mean, I think they, you know. You know, Tim and them, I think they were a little too hard on themselves to a point. They tend to beat themselves up over season one whenever you see them interviewed about it. Right. But I don't think it's as bad as advertised. No, no. You know, I mean, I think we've proven that, you know, here in this, covering it here. So, if you haven't watched all of season one yet, why are you listening to this episode first? But anyway, if you haven't watched all of season <laughs> one yet, go back and watch season one. I mean, they're building up, they're, they're getting their legs underneath them. And there's great things to come. Right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll cover your feedback on The Savage Time. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover each issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo of Marvel's first family. And in 2019, we begin our journey through the neon decade, the 1980s. Join us as we cover... All-time classic runs from John Byrne and Walt Simonson. She-Hulk and Sharon Ventura join the Fantastic Four. The Invisible Girl No More, here comes The Invisible Woman. Spin-off series including Marvel 2-in-1 and The Thing. Marvel's Secret Wars, The Trial of Reed Richards and more. Find us at thefantasticast.com on iTunes and all other podcast services. The Fantasticast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? Professor Zoom Yukonori led an ongoing expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. (laughs) With unique celebrity guest perspectives to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Solomon Grundy don't understand. Entity Terraman. I'm not following either. Bizarro totally get it. I intend to participate in your podcast show of wonders. As if I wasn't nervous enough. Little Professor Man, mansplaining again. Accessing files. Experience the wonder. Bizarro. What in tarnation did you do? Adios, partner. Me am Bizarro Terraman. Goodbye. 
of the Done and One Wonders Podcast Wonder Show. Watch out, you square brain varmint. Only on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Okay, we're trying to keep this episode a little on the shorter side. Uh, so we didn't go, we're not going to go through our likes and favorites this time. Thank you, everyone who liked and shared the episode. Uh, but it's been a while since we've done that one, and we're trying to kind of, we've got a window to get this recorded, and we're kind of wanting to get it out. So we are going to go over the feedback that was left at firewaterpodcast.com. Uh, so you want to read the first one? Okay. Our first feedback is from Rob Kelly. Thanks for having me on, CNC. I realized I may have misspoke during my Watchtower Files segment. The characters were continually published since their debut in 1941, not 1944. What I meant to highlight was that in 44, they took over military comics and the title of the book was changed to Blackhawk. And that self-titled series ran uninterrupted until 1968. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I got what he was saying, but yeah, but thanks for the correction, Rob. Appreciate it. We got a comment from Anatovny who wrote, Time travel is used in four plots that I can think of during Justice League slash Justice League Unlimited through at least three different methods. Vandal's method is the only one that explicitly has the you can't travel to a time where you already exist constraint, and one of the others definitely does not work that way. Yeah, I'm, you know, I remember the old, in the post-crisis DC universe, they had this weird rule, like you can only travel, time travel one way, one time, which was like, what? What? That was them trying to, you know, stop all the time travel stories, basically. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you could use Rip Hunter's time, like one character, like say Batman. I don't know why he'd be time traveling, but Batman could use Rip Hunter's time bubble one time and come back one time. But then he would have to, you know, use, uh, you know, some other way to time travel the next time. He couldn't use Rip Hunter's time bubble again, which made absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. It was a really stupid rule. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I We know that there's definitely time travel ahead in our future so that's that's uh we're, i'm looking forward to getting to those okay doug vandiver writes in at one hour four minutes six seconds the franklin's caucasian guest has been replaced with a cocky asian let's see if they notice <laughs> seriously your show is getting better and better well done timing this one to be out for independence day by the way since the season closes out with time travel i'm reminded that i read at some point or maybe heard on dvd commentaries too vague a recollection, that the show had a one time travel and one parallel universe self-imposed limit per season, but when searching online, I can't find anything to back that up. They kept to that limitation in season two, of course, in the past that we will see. Certainly writers in the superhero genre love to go to those wells, so it was wise for Tim and company to make their choices count by placing time and universe journeys in the show in top drawer episodes like this one. Hawkeye! I might need some practice doing that. Well, actually, he wrote Haku, so he's doing it wrong. Oh. So <laughs> you oh. corrected it for him. <laughs> oh, oops! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, that's okay. You were trying to make him look good, but yeah. he, he was doing it to be funny. Uh, yeah, um, the uh, the I, I heard that too. I don't know where I heard it, but when you wrote that, I remembered either reading that or hearing that they did put a limit on time travel and parallel universe stories. But you got the parallel universe story with. Uh, uh, Legends uh -huh. and the time travel story with the Savage Time. Oddly enough, our two favorite episodes. Right. Uh, so yeah. So I don't know where I read that either. If anybody knows where Bruce Tim or James Tucker or whoever said that, let us know because I remember it too. I just don't. It might be in the Modern Masters Bruce Tim book from Tomorrow. I, I don't know. Okay, Professor Zoom Yukonori himself wrote in. FYI, under Comic Connections, there was a pre-Crisis story in which Vandal Savage from Earth Two altered a number of past historical events to make him the ruler of Earth-1. One of these events was actually the Battle of Normandy on D-Day. This had taken place in Action Comics Volume 1, Issues 515 and 516. And Vandal Savage was able to time travel in this story since he did not previously exist in the Earth-1 timeline. I had no idea that that okay. was... Because in Zoom showed me the comics. I looked them up while well, I looked up the comics, and I did not own either of those. Those were... Two of the rare issues of action comics from the early 80s that I didn't buy off the stands. Hmm. For whatever reason, they did, I just didn't get them. So I had no idea that story existed. So there's your comic connection right there. Yeah. I mean, obviously somebody read that comic book because, I mean, it's, you know, it's the same yeah. villain. It's the same plot. So so thanks, Zoom. That's great. I wish I'd known it before, but thanks. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Lizanne Oswald wrote in, Yeah, guys, y'all forgot this is Burn Well Ordway's Superman. So yeah, he would ride in the jet. He was tired of holding his breath, since he had to do that during the time when he made himself an outcast in the Exile story that we talked about earlier. Though it's not 70s Superman. Yeah, the fact that he gets taken down by guns makes no sense. But it is what it is. Hopefully he gets to be as powerful as he should be again. Well, yeah, we're going to see that in Season 2. I'm mm -hmm. just going to tell you right now. Yep. Season 2, right off the bat, we'll get more powerful Superman. So. <laughs> Derek William Crabb writes in, Preach on, Brother Chris. No rebreathers. No nerfing Superman. Ironically, the new episodes of Young Justice also feature a space-faring Superman. Slight spoiler. And he, Wonder Woman, and Hot Girl nearly suffocate to death if not for Guy Gardner. I get it's an accurate representation of the post-crisis Superman, but like yourself, I've never liked that thinking-too-hard addition to the lore. It also doesn't mean I don't enjoy Exile or the Ju Young Justice TV series, though I was frequently teased about Clark Kent's ultimate fate in Planetary JLA, which remains a sore spot. He also shared a link to the opening of the never-released 90s Captain America cartoon. Yeah, he uh, Derek sent that link. If you go to the to the uh, episode uh, comments, there's a link there to that Captain America opening we talked about, the 90s Captain America show that I heard partially didn't happen because they didn't know how to handle Nazis in World War II mm. on a cartoon. Uh, but it, it, you know, it looks good. I mean, it looks a lot like the 90s Spider-Man and X-Men mm -hmm. cartoons, but man, I would have loved it that happened. Imagine the toys we would have got out of that. Oh, man. Uh, Gothos Mansion writes in, If I have to chastise Rob and Chris for one thing, don't apologize for some of the nerdgasms when you get excited about something you see in an episode or comic. I've always felt sort of isolated in my comics fandom, so I like listening to your shows and seeing other people are just as big a nerd as I am and enjoy the stuff as much as I do. Honestly, sometimes I feel like I shouldn't comment because I'm not a podcaster, so at least you guys have other fans to talk to. You should always comment. Never... I mean, that's what the comment section's for. That's what emails are for. Write in, comment. Don't ever feel like you shouldn't comment because you're not a podcaster because a lot of times you guys have insight into episodes and things. We're, sometimes we're too deep into it to see. Right. And you guys will point out things like, well, God, I never even thought of that. Like the whole metamorpho thing. That should have been fun. Yeah. should have been goofy, you know, and I didn't even think about that when we were doing it. And in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I like that episode even less now. It was way too dark for a metamorpho episode. So... Uh, anyway, Gothos Mansion continues. My main complaint about this episode in the first season is, as you guys state, the not-so-super Superman. Bruce Timm was more of a Batman guy. I am, too. That's Gothos and me as well. And I wonder if he wanted to downplay Superman. I always took this Dwayne McDuffie interview to mean he didn't like Superman at all, as he was one of the main writers on the show and a script editor. I can't remember. He may have just wanted to get Superman out of the way, and he had a link there for that. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, if you go back... You know, after they did Batman, WB wanted them to do Superman. And they, Tim and company, pitched Warner Brothers on a Superman and the Justice League series, which would basically be kind of like a version of the Brave and the Bold cartoon mm -hmm. or DC Comics Presents, the old comic book. Superman team-up show, basically. And Jeanette Kahn, who was the president and publisher of DC at the time, said, no, we want a Superman show, not, you know... I, although elements of that, you know, they introduced Flash, Green Lantern, and Doctor Fate, and and the New Gods and things like that. So, but but yeah, so yeah, I think there is some something to that 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 Tim and company really do just like super like Batman better than Superman. Mm -hmm. So, Tim Price writes in, I view Superman in the spacecraft very differently. It's like, why do I ride in a car when I can run? Because it's faster in the car. But for Soups, it's more about his personality. Flash runs everywhere because he's impatient. Soups is fine with slowing down and being sociable with the team. I'm still waiting for a Captain America Wonder Woman team up where Steve Rogers, not Trevor, crash lands on Paradise Island and the magic follows. <sighs> <laughs> the Blackhawks are a group I haven't read much of, but I love their look, the uniforms, the emblem, the planes. For the time portal sequence, I always get a 2001 Space Odyssey vibe from it. Um, how did John's ring get charged up when he jumped out of the portal into the present? Green eyes in costume flying? Hmm. That's something we didn't catch. Yeah. And I'm surprised that, you know, a logic class would have had a field day with that if you noticed it. Mm. <laughs> I didn't notice it either, and Rob didn't notice it either, so, so, yeah. So, Paul Hicks wrote in and says, what is Chris on, and can I have some for work? Eh, you know. <laughs> 
You probably won't pass the drug test. That's all I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Christopher. I'm, I don't know what I was on on that episode. I was just really hyped up about it. But I was validated in that hype by none other than Rich Fogel, who was one of the staff, one of the writers, one of the creators on Justice League, who writes, Hi, guys. I enjoyed your lively discussion of the Savage Time. Compliments to Chris for his eagle eyes in spotting all of the DC soldier cameos in these episodes. I can confirm that these were intentional. Our philosophy was, why put in generic soldiers when you could use known DC characters? So, Chris, despite the merciless ribbing you got from Cindy, you were absolutely right. It wasn't merciless. I go at him more than that more often. Thank you, Rich. And I, I, I mean, I feel, I feel, I don't think I've ever felt more, vi- uh, more validated. I almost said it's like, <laughs> I know. I don't think I've ever felt more validated than I do right now. So, uh, one minor quibble. From this and the previous episode, the correct pronunciation of director Dan Reba's last name is Reba. I was saying Ribba, like um. Rib and then uh, which is how it's spelled. And writer Lynn Uli's last name is pronounced Uli. I was saying Uli. Right. But I read that because your net la- your maiden name was Utley. Right. So I read it as similar to Utley. So right. So that's what happened there. So thanks for the correction there, Rich. Other than that, great job, best Rich Fogel. That made my day. So, uh, and what yeah. what a great what a great way to end season one with a comment from one of the creators, one of the writers, exactly of, of the Very series. True. So, thank you, Rich. Thank you for listening, taking the time, and thank you for all the entertainment over the years, and thanks for listening to our show. That's that's he just... must hate me. <laughs> I don't think he hates you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love. I love the show. I really do. I'm just very analytical. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. I mean, he understands. I mean, I think those guys. I mean, they. You know, they they analyze. They're critical of their own work, and they know we love the show. I mean, I, I think they get, and that's what. I mean, that's what. You know, that's what we try to do on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Is come from a place of love. If we didn't love this stuff, we wouldn't be talking about it. I right. Mean, I don't have any intention on reviewing anything. Talking about anything that I don't enjoy. Which is why when we get to House of Frankenstein that we will never, ever, 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 ever do Dr. Fobbs ever again. No iteration. None. (laughs) Well, had I known you were going to have such a negative reaction, I wouldn't have done that movie, honestly. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's right up there on on movies that I don't like with Caddyshack. (sighs) Now you've told everybody you don't like Caddyshack. I've been trying to keep that from everyone. <laughs> I don't care. Now they really aren't going to like you. No. <laughs> but speaking of which, you brought up House of Frankenstein. Yes. And it's just about that time of year again. So, as we said last time, this is going to be the last JLU cast for, for a while. For several months. As we take a break and return to our original Supermate series... To do our annual House of Frankenstein. Right. Where we cover four films, classic-themed horror films. We got a two, two more modern films in the mix this time, like we did last year, but they're still classically themed. Um, and uh, we've got four comic stories that are somewhat related mm-hmm. to the monster or the this plot of that, of that movie. Uh, and uh, those will start, those episodes will start coming out in September, to in September, to in October. Right. So be on the lookout for that. And in fact, as we go out, we'll play the trailer for it. There you go. So enjoy the trailer. We'll see you at the House of Franklin sign. And we'll see you guys, you JLU fans, on JLU Cast Season 2, coming soon. Bye. Bye. If you rebuild it, they will go. They burned it down. If you rebuild it, they will come. You didn't hear them? Thank you, pardon. The voices. Pete. If you rebuild it, they will go. They blew it up. If you rebuild it, they will come. They demolished it. If you rebuild it, they will go. But horror has a permanent address. Welcome to my home. The House of Frankenstein lives. You see, uh, we began a project a few years ago, but unfortunately, it was it was interrupted. 
and we're most anxious to take it up again. In September and October, the Fire and Water Podcast Network presents a Supermates tradition, covering four classic horror films and four related comic book adventures. I must find more victims before my work is done. You need look no further, Vampirus. We'll take the bat jet to the Hall of Justice and transform the other super friends. <laughs> Featuring an all-star cast. James Spader. Are you crazy? Jack Nicholson. Oh, just marking my territory. Anthony Hopkins. She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness. Lon Chaney Jr. One becomes accustomed to the darkness here. Michelle Pfeiffer. You're afraid that when it gets dark, you'll attack me. Vincent Price. Let's, uh... See what the rest of this mausoleum looks like. Gary Oldman. Enters freely of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Winona Ryder. I almost feel pity for anything so hunted as this count. Peter Cushing. I am a doctor of medicine, law, and physics. To the best of my knowledge, doctorates are not awarded for witchcraft. But if ever they are, no doubt I shall qualify for one. And Keanu Reeves. Doctor! This Halloween, visit our field of screens at the scenic House of Frankenstein where terror is only a listen away. <laughs> JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders, and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue Mommy and Daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FW Podcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLU Cast. I always think of season one as kind of our shakedown cruise. We were working really hard, and it was a hard show to do. But on the other hand, I think just the enormity of the project was kind of daunting, and we kind of let it cow us a little bit. We, we kind of let it intimidate us to the point where we made mistakes based on fear. Well, and also, this was the first show where I think we let the style of the show take a back seat. That was a conscious decision, which I think was right. a mistake. In and it was, respect. yeah, and we eventually corrected that. And we thought this was a way of making it more real world. Because of the, the more superheroic things that were happening in the show, we felt that we should ground the show in a little bit more of a, of a believable reality.